Atlanta News First investigates the largest investigative team in Georgia, holding the powerful accountable and fighting for you. Now, in this series of podcasts, we take you behind the scenes of our most recent investigations. Welcome to Behind the Investigation with Atlanta News First. Yeah, sure. So this story we started working on over a year ago. Um, people might remember Miriam Abdurab. She was kidnapped and killed on her way home from work. Uh, she was a bartender. And while she was at the gas station, this guy saw her um, and followed her home from work kidnapped her and uh, murdered her and they found her body uh, late that or early that next morning um, so what happened was after that story came out like we do a lot of times as investigators we dig into the suspect to see did they have a past or a criminal record um, you know a history of mental illness and we found um, all of those things so the alleged killer is Demarcus Brinkley and we found that he had been convicted of a rape and accused of another rape, both very young children, a six-year-old and a seven-year-old. Um, he had went before a judge. Uh, prosecutors had asked that he stay in prison for something like uh, 20 to 30 years. Um, that sentence got reduced, and then he was able to get out early. He only ended up serving, um, I think, somewhere like eight to ten years um, of, of that sentence. Then when he got out, he never received an electronic ankle monitor, uh, because he never got leveled. So what does getting leveled mean? Well, you might hear with sex offenders, level one, level two, level three in Georgia or our sex offender registration review board determines the leveling of these people but they have a large backlog. So DeMarcus Brinkley gets out of prison, never gets leveled, and um, then he goes on to kill Miriam Abdurab. So we found all of this, um, you know, after the horrific, tragic crime, and uh, we shared this with the family. And I want to mention, too, this family is incredible. They, um, and friends, the family and friends of Miriam are just um, next level. They've been doing so much advocacy, um, and they were calling for Miriam's Law before they even had a sponsor. So uh, back when I talked to them over a year ago, uh, we're going to show you this piece um, so you could see what we found, and you'll hear a little bit from them. But you'll see in this story they were talking about Miriam's Law, um, and we'll, I want you guys to take a look at this, and then we'll kind of discuss what happened afterwards. So let's take a look. Miriam Abdelrab was always creating. She loved drawing. She was an amazing artist. Today, those sketches and this community mural memorializing her life is all her baby brother, Ollie, has left. She probably didn't know it while she was here, but I definitely looked up to her. After her late-night bartending shift, Miriam stopped at a gas station. Police told Miriam's family it appeared she was spotted there randomly and followed. Then, surveillance video captures the moments she gets to her boyfriend's house. Seconds later, another car pulls up. That's when a man approaches Miriam and forces her into his car, all while Miriam's boyfriend watches helplessly. Oh my God, bro, I just watched her get kidnapped in front of my house. She had a gun pointed to her? Yes, I watched it all through my window in my front yard. He had a gun to her and he forced her into a car. Four hours after that panicked 911 call, Miriam was found dead with multiple gunshot wounds. In the weeks that followed, her family was overcome with grief. 
Then as more details came out, the trauma intensified. I kind of broke down. I like fell down to my knees. What happened to my sister was preventable. CBS 46 Investigates dug into DeMarcus Brinkley's history and uncovered a schizophrenia diagnosis and a record of violent crimes. According to Fulton County Court documents, Brinkley was accused of raping a seven-year-old girl in 2012. Then in 2013, he was found on top of a naked six-year-old girl. In 2015, he pled guilty to child molestation, attempted rape, and cruelty to children. The state recommended he serve 15 years in prison, followed by 15 years on probation. Instead, Brinkley was sentenced to 15 years total, seven in prison, followed by eight on probation. He'd also have to register as a sex offender. But when Brinkley was released in 2020, that's when we found that he never received a risk-level assessment. That's when offenders are designated Tier 1, 2, or 3, depending on their risk level for sexual reoffense. If you go on the sex offender registry website, it says not leveled on his name still. He's right. We took these findings to the executive director of the Georgia Sex Offender Registration Review Board, who blamed a backlog for offenders not getting leveled, which she says is, quote, due to understaffing and a lack of funds. Unlike some states where sex offenders are leveled on the day of their sentencing, Georgia levels sex offenders when they are released from prison. To this day, our communities are at risk. And that's where the family says Miriam's law comes into the picture. By one, requiring sex offenders who have not received a risk level assessment to be fitted with an ankle monitor. Once they are leveled, tier three offenders would be required to wear the monitor for the duration of their sentence, while tier one and tier two offenders could have them removed. And two, requiring sex offenders to carry an ID card with a specific symbol that is recognizable to law enforcement. There might be more Demarcus Brinkley's out there and we don't want this to happen to anybody else. Should Miriam's law move forward, it's likely that it will face some legal challenges. In 2019, the Georgia Supreme Court struck down a law that required lifetime ankle monitoring of high-risk sex offenders. And as far as ID cards, which disclose sex offender status, critics in other states have called them a modern-day scarlet letter. Still, CBS 46 Investigates found at least eight states that have such cards. I'm going to vote for victims. The family has also received support from State Representative Misha Maynor and Atlanta Councilwoman Keisha Waits. I am very sensitive to an individual's privacy. I understand that. However, when it comes to a level three and only a level three offender, I think the dynamics are different. I think it's about the greater public good. And I think in this particular case, I think had we had something like that in place, we could have tracked this individual, we could have monitored him and perhaps saved her life. A legislative lifeline that could provide protection for years to come. It will be a part of her legacy. A legacy. Murals are nice, but... The family hopes... I think if less tragedies happen... We'll go beyond the many scribed sentiments and into Georgia state law. That'd be the goal. Yeah, so um, it's so rewarding to watch that, um, especially that last line where he says, you know, the goal is for this to get to state law. And here we are about a year later, and um, Miriam's law just passed uh, both the Senate and the House. So now it just has to get a signature from the governor to become state law. So, um, you know, that's really exciting to just watch the progress from where we started to where we are. But I do want to mention a lot has changed in Miriam's law. So it's not exactly what the brother there was talking about. So at first they wanted the ankle monitor restrictions and they wanted that ID requirement where they would be able to put some kind of a symbol on the ID to identify a registered sex offender. Um, as this bill gained traction and they found uh, support through various legislators, 
the ID part um, kind of fell off. Um, and that was because it was controversial. And I guess in other states they have tried this and it didn't last or there were some issues. So uh, Miriam's Law became just the uh, electronic ankle monitors. Um, also, I want to mention those lawmakers that you saw there did not end up, uh, or Representative Misha Maynard, who you saw there, did not end up being a sponsor on this. The sponsor ended up being Representative Stephen Saines in the House, and uh, then Senator Albers um, over in the Senate. And uh, it did change. So how the last version of the bill, again, like I was mentioning before, um, these bills get amended as they move through various committees. And um, the last version is that um, if somebody who has a prior conviction um, of a sex offense uh, gets out of prison, they will be required to wear an electronic ankle monitor until they are leveled. Um, that's one part of it because, again, in Miriam's case, um, DeMarcus Brinkley was never leveled. So if he would have had that ankle monitor on, perhaps, um, you know, police would have been able to track him. The other part of it is that level one will not have to get ankle monitors. This is really for the most dangerous sexual predators um, that will have to wear these ankle monitors for the duration of their sentence, um, unless the Department of Community Supervision gives the okay that this person can have their ankle monitor taken off. So that is the latest version of the bill. That is what passed the Senate on Monday night. Mm. Yeah, and so, like you said, now it's um, this bill has been uh, passed by both chambers, right? Mm -hmm. And it's up for consideration by um, by Governor Kemp at this time. Yeah. Um, what is the outlook? I mean, do you, do you think it's it's actually he'll sign? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, this bill has gotten so much momentum, and um, it was really nice. I have to say, in I was in the Senate chambers uh, with the family watching from the gallery while um, Senator Albers, you know, gave his uh, spiel about the bill before everyone voted. And he said, you know, I want everyone to look up at the family and the friends um, who made this happen, who've been advocating for this for so long. And uh, it ended up being not a unanimous vote, but I think only one person voted no out of the whole Senate. So um, majority of, of lawmakers approving this bill and um, it was also just such a nice moment. Uh, Miriam's best friend, Irene, who I've also gotten really close with over this last year, um, began crying and um, was just so happy she could barely talk. And then Miriam's brother, Ali, who you heard from in, in, in the piece from last year, um, felt, said uh, he felt like they were finally crossing the finish line. It's just been such a tough journey um, but, you know, it, it was really nice. And, and from what he was saying, too, he can't bring his sister back, but perhaps they can prevent something like this from happening to someone else. And that's really the goal and, and why they did this in the first place. So um, it was a really nice moment for the family and for the friends. I'm sure. I'm sure. And how, how did they feel about kind of the some of, you know, it's it, it wasn't initially exactly how... It wasn't. It is. It it isn't in the form that they initially proposed. Right. Right. Um, so at first they were disappointed, um, but I think kind of like, um, kind of like us reporters, like as we watch again how that sausage is made in in the Capitol and we see how um, these bills get through. Almost no bill goes in and comes out the same way. There's always going to be amendments. There's always going to be compromises. 
along the way. And I think as the family has gotten familiar with the General Assembly as well, they've come to see that as well. And um, I think they're just really excited that any version of this bill is now making its way through. So um, overall, they're really excited about it. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Ali was even mentioning maybe the next step is trying to bring this to a federal level and getting these types of ankle monitor restrictions, um, you know, doing this on a, on a federal level instead of just focusing on the state of Georgia. So, you know, they've gotten into advocacy now, and I think they want to keep going. And um, it's kind of their way to continue honoring her her legacy. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's wonderful that they're, that, you know, they've overcome this kind of tragedy by trying to, um, you know, affect positive change for other people and save other people this pain. What, what about, you You talked about the, the potential of um, a federal law that, yeah. Right, yeah, so I, I think that would be a lot more challenging, but um, it's just like, you know, the next step in a lot of these things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think when it, when it comes down to it, this type of a bill is all about public safety and this will make our community a safer place um you know hopefully most people won't be touched by a crime so tragic as as this but if they are or if they know someone who is um you know knowing that these types of restrictions restrictions are in place just kind of give you a little peace of mind um that you know something like this won't happen again. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what about, you know, and, and forgive me if I'm, I'm yeah. I don't want to ask you about something that is really not, you know, the, your focus of your research, but what about in, in other surrounding states? What, is, has there been any talk about similar laws in, in other states? Because like you said, it can be challenging on the federal level, but maybe state by state. Um, so I haven't really focused on neighboring states. Mm -hmm. um, we did look into that with the license part of this. Mm -hmm. And, um, we could only find a handful of states who did anything like that with, with the symbols on, on the licenses. Um, but as far as the restrictions on the sex offenders, I didn't find anything specific, but that is definitely something we could look into. Um, and, you know, if, if not, maybe then Georgia is leading the way in something for other states to to follow suit in terms of public safety. Yeah, that's a great point. Maybe um, Georgia is leading the way um, on, on this um like you said, you know, because of the hard work of this family and frankly, your own, your own investigative work, um, in uncovering this issue, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, we've still got a little bit of time here. Sure. So I, I want to ask you, I mean, what else do you think? Um, I, I know when we're doing television coverage, it's so restrictive in terms of the right. time that we have allotted. What else do you want viewers to know about this story? Um, I would say, you know, I, I always go back to telling viewers it's so important to send us your ideas and, you know, your story tips, and we really do um, follow up on, on all of that um, because so many of these stories come from a tip or a viewer just saying, hey, isn't this weird? You know, uh, like, I can't even explain, like, how many of my stories begin that way. Um, or from sources saying, you know, you should check into something. So I would encourage viewers to reach out to us. Um, you know, they can do that right at atlantanewsfirst.com. Um, if they go to the Investigates tab, we have um, a jot form they can fill out to contact us. They can also email me directly. I'm at rachel.polanski at wamf.com, uh, also on 
all the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok these days. Um, so yeah, send us story ideas. We will look into all of them. And uh, sometimes it becomes something even greater than what we started with. And um, sometimes it can even lead to a state law change. Um, I think Miriam's law is such a great example of the advocacy piece of this. Um, you know, this family did not stop advocating and pushing for policy change. And um, I think a lot of people could learn from that. If they really want to see change at the Capitol, you know, you have to go to the Capitol and you have to talk to lawmakers and you have to push for whatever it is you want to see changed. 